Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. Howdy, howdy, friends, and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. I'm going to cut with um, a lot of the normal introductory things where I talk about the garden and I thank everyone I know for everything they've ever done for me and things like that. I'm going to skip a lot of that and just get right to the heart of it because I'm really excited for you to hear this interview with Lizzie Long. familiar with the the Lewis family and then of course presently the uh, Little Roy and Lizzie show then you are familiar with Lizzie Lizzie has a new album out and we'll talk about that in the interview and a whole lot of other things that maybe you didn't know about Lizzie Long so let's just go straight to it here's my little chat on the phone with Lizzie Long Let me begin this interview by playing you a little message from someone. When I, I was talking to a, an old friend of mine uh, last night, and I mentioned that you were going to be on the podcast. And <laughs> this uh, character sent you a message, and I just want to play it for you. Oh, um, Lord. So here you go. This is, okay. this is from a Lincolnton native. Oh, Lord. Oh, Oh, my. Yeah, anyway, that, of course, is the inimitable... Duck. Mr. Duck, Jim Adkins, who is... Who, you and he go way back, obviously. We do, ever since I was a chap. He, we're pretty much family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and same with little Roy. I mean, you know, Lincoln is not that big of a place. Um, no, anyway, we're, we're all kin down here, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure you probably know this, but I played with Duck, you know, in Cedar Hill for 27 years, so... I've had my share of uh, Lincoln experiences coming over there to, to Pickens <laughs> and going over there to uh, Jimmy's dad used to have a hunting camp over there and we would go over there sometimes. Uh, That's right. But anyway, yeah. I, speaking of duck, I wanted to, um, first of all, ask you uh, if you recall, and I know you do, a particular date and an event, because I remember very well, and forgive my rustling of papers here. This was on September the 13th, 2006. And the reason, I, well, I have many reasons to remember this event very well, but I have a photograph taken at that event 
And there you are, Lizzie Long. You got a banjo slung around you. You had your arm in a cast, and you were standing. Oh, yeah. You were standing on home plate at Turner Field for, at an Atlanta Braves game with 285 other banjo players spread out up and down the the baselines for yeah. the Earl Scruggs tribute that we did. And I don't know if you know this, but. That wacky idea was a little brainstorm that I came up with one day when Duck called me and said, hey, you know, can you think of any good idea, something we could do, you know, for promote banjo? And I just said, call Earl, bring him to the stadium, call the Braves, and get a set of Guinness World Record for the most banjo players to play together. And you were there standing right on home plate, sort of leading, leading the whole thing. Tell me what you remember about that. I think for the 280-something players who were there, it was probably one of the high points of their life. Yeah. Um, I remember Jim and them calling me about trying to set that up with Earl and made it happen through them calling their sons. Right. <laughs> and uh, it's so much more to it, but I'll leave some of that out. But um, I remember asking Earl, I said, would you like to go to the Braves game? And uh, while we try to set a banjo record, he says, well, I love baseball. <laughs> <laughs> so we did that, and I just remember showing up down there and, you know, get getting to do that. And then I had surgery on my arm. That's why I had a cast. I had a sever the nerve in my arm. And... uh I just remember lining up in the dugout down there in the runway alley or wherever where everybody came through and yeah. set up, set up. And Earl was in the box. Right. And we played for however many minutes we had to play to set that. I think it was five five minutes. We had to go full five minutes, and they ran that countdown clock up on the big screen, and they they kept cutting away to pictures of Earl waving to the crowd from the box. You know, he was. Yeah. It was cool. It was pretty, it was pretty cool, and. I remember uh, after that getting to sit up, you know, I went up to sit up in the box with her and we watched the game and everything. Of course, it wasn't a um, playoff game. I don't think the Braves had uh, did too well that year. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, I, uh, to be honest, I didn't pay attention to the baseball that day. But I have to ask no. you, have you ever heard a sound quite like that sound of 280-something banjos? It was pretty... Um, <laughs> It was a lot of banjos. <laughs> now, were you were you there during the rehearsal session that happened just before the game? The, it was held I in was, a tent. I think I was. Yeah, surely so, you were. Because one of us, I think I kicked it off. Yeah, you and did. Then, uh, you did. And then every, everybody followed suit, you know. Yeah, and I'll mention, of course, everybody was playing Foggy Mountain Breakdown, of course. Right. I think the whole thing was trying to be in time. And everybody be together, you know. Yeah, I think it was it was super challenging because the sound was coming back to us from you know in some cases a quarter mile away from. A, oh, I know. And then, yeah, and ex <laughs> especially on the on the, when we actually got out there and the speakers. I mean, you can it kind of bounces, you know. Yeah, we that Lord, you talking about oh, six, 2006. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm that's, like, that's I can hardly barely barely remember what I ate for lunch yesterday but certain things do stick out in your mind and that's that's one i'll never forget i've still right. got still got a couple of t-shirts in the drawer oh uh, wow yeah well, 
since we're since I'm mentioning Earl, would you mind taking just a minute or two and talking about how how you came to know Earl and and just 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 a little bit about your feelings, you know, about him and so on. Because, I, you know, I know that you were always, uh, you know, I, I say our connection to Earl. And, and you know, I think, you know, when you get to the level of someone like him, where he's so adored by so many, many, many people, it can become overwhelming because everywhere you go there, just everybody wants to talk to you and, you know, get a lock of your hair or something. And I'm just, just curious about, you know, some of the things you recall about that. Well, it would get hairy sometimes, you know, because I didn't really see Earl, you know, of course I did at first, but I got to meet Earl through little Roy, obviously, but I lived in Nashville and, um, Louise was the one that actually took me under her wing before Earl did and uh, his wife. Right. And I did some stuff for her and took care of them. And when she ended up breaking her back and then he fell off the stage, that's when it got real serious of me being over there because I was running. She'd have me check on her on one floor and then run up four floors to check on Earl. And I'd do that every night while I was going to school at Belmont. So I didn't get any sleep or nothing. <laughs> but eventually they moved to a rehab center. And then she passed away, of course. And uh, one of the things she asked me to do, she said, just make sure Earl is took care of, you know, that he doesn't sit there in the house all day looking out the window. He tends to get depressed or something. Right, right. So... I would go over there and pick music and stuff for Larry Perkins, and we would make sure Earl was happy and not just sitting there all the time. And there was some issues with the family a little bit or a lot or however many people want to say. I don't know. You know, they, they, you know, didn't want us to do stuff with him like that. But we, we felt like, well, we knew what Earl wanted because he told us. You know what I mean? Right, right. And um, eventually, I was get one day I was getting ready to go somewhere, and the next thing I know, Papa comes out the door, and he I, I called him Papa. He comes out the door and he says, "I'm going with you." I was like, "Uh, what?" <laughs> 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 yeah, I was like, "Go, you, really." Uh, uh, okay. He said, "Yeah, I'm not staying." He said, "I'm not staying here no more. I'm going to go do something." I was like, uh, <laughs> "Okay." So that's how it started. So he just eventually, when I got ready to go somewhere, he said, "I'm gonna be just like a loyal dog. I'm gonna just jump in the truck when I want to." <laughs> I was like, "Okay." So you know, that happened a lot. You know, he didn't. He liked to be doing stuff. You know. Right. Right. And. Of course, the family would have something to say about that. And, you know, I, I don't blame him, I guess, in a sense. But at the same time, he was also my friend, my best friend. And we became best of friends. And, you know, I see what he was talking about. You know, I wouldn't, I don't, especially during this COVID, I can't stand staying in one place all the time looking out the window sitting on the couch. You know right. what I mean? You can only take so much of that. And I met, and I guess that's the, how it was with him then. And, uh. So when we got to going places and stuff, you know, folks just kind of talking back back about the, you know, folks 
wanting to see everybody. He he loved it to an extent. He would get tired. But uh, if I asked him most of the time, you know, it was always, yes, let's do that. Right. And something he told me one day really hit home. He said, you know, I have done my career. We was talking about his family stuff, and he said, you know, it's, it's time for me to show the fans that I, I did appreciate them, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he would, uh, there were a couple of instances that I know about where, you know, I guess, uh, you know, the two of you were just going places and stuff and would show up unexpectedly at here or there at a little picking or, a, you know, I know a couple of things like that and people would just be shocked. They Somebody would say, uh, did you know that's Earl? That's Earl sitting right over there, you know? And, it, you know, it was, just, it was fascinating because, I think people have to, you know, when they reach a level of stardom, they're they're surrounded by this bubble, and it's as hard to get into that bubble as it is to get out of the bubble. And I think you provided him a a wonderful service and you know friendship because it's it's hard to be friends with people when you're super famous. I think. Yeah, I see. He he wanted a little bit of that normalcy. So a lot of times when we someone like that, he got some of that you know, where it just wasn't folks crowding him. You know what I mean? Right, right. And then sometimes they would. You just never know. But most of the time, he absolutely loved it because people just wouldn't, in areas like that, folks knew just to let him enjoy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not to, not to surround him. Well, I suspect, too, that, and in fact, I know this to be true, just through a little birdie, I mean, a little duck, uh, told me, um, <laughs> that you also you know, learned a few things uh, from hanging out with Earl and picking with him. And in particular, um, the, the, his guitar playing that, you know, is so good that it's not talked about that much. And I understand that uh, you got a little schooling in the Earl style, you might say. Uh, So if you could talk about that a little bit and also go back and tell me how you got started playing music in the first place. Well, we'll start with Earl first. Yeah, I mean, you don't go over there every day and not play music, right. you know, and uh, and learn something from him. I mean, you know, just sitting on the couch, he had a little banjo that he would play. You wouldn't really pull out his big banjo, you know, or his good, little guitar. And I mean, he not so much that he would be playing. I'd just be sitting there picking while he's watching TV or something. And I'd be, and I intentionally would do something, you know, <laughs> that I wasn't the right lick, you know, just to get him aggravated. <laughs> He'd be like, "Give me the damn thing!" <laughs> I wish they had to play, you know, just anything to just to just to keep his mind, you know, going. Right. And uh, he showed me a lot of stuff, you know. And I mean, you don't sit beside somebody like that, and you just don't pick up on their flavor. You know, there's a lot of banjo pickers out there. You know, Kenny Ingram just passed away. Right. He was the best Earl copycat, you know, and a lot of, you know, and I know Lincoln Hensley and. They're, they're great musicians and stuff, and I don't play banjo every day like I did. But I, and Larry Perkins is the only other person I know that ain't family that's been inside of Earl to get that. You, you have to be around somebody to really pick up their mannerisms on the way to play. And I think I got that along with Larry Perkins. Yeah. Even though Larry Perkins is better. I'm not saying I'm a great banjo picker. I just think I got the, you know, when you're around Earl all the time, you get that feeling of how he does stuff you know right. you get his attitude and his mannerisms and i was around him every day so i feel like when i if i really wanted to <laughs> if i sat down 
with that banjo like I did back then playing it every day, I could be just as good. I could probably play just like Earl. I know I could. I mean, I'm not saying I'd be Earl. I'm just saying I could play. I could do. So I could get the tone and mannerism that he has. Right. I know because I've had it before. And that's what Duck is talking about. They've probably heard it and could tell that, you know. <laughs> well, obviously, you've picked up a good bit from hanging around Little Roy, too. I saw you uh, you and, and Little Roy playing at Jekyll Island one time. This is, I forget when it was, probably 2010. Yeah. I was down there, and, and just uh, I talked to Little Roy for a minute, and I, I really didn't realize that you guys were there. I was down there to present some awards to Doyle Lawson and, and uh, Bobby Osborne. And we, oh, wow, we had yeah. set that up with Norman that during in between their sets, we'd come out and give them this ancient order of the mandolin hall of honor thing. And yeah. they gave a little speech and stuff, but I saw you guys up there playing and you know, little Roy, he, he tears it up and then he, he throws it into overdrive and you were <laughs> keeping up. You're going 250 miles an hour and absolutely you were keeping up totally. And that, that's yeah. not easy to do. No, and I tell you what, Sammy Sheeler clocked us one time in Maine. They were to follow us. <laughs> and um, I remember we come off stage, and he had his little ticker thing that keeps the time of the thing. Right. He says, I haven't played this. He says, y'all just came off stage at 198 beats per, per minute or whatever. <laughs> he said, I haven't played that fast since the 80s. Yeah, yeah. He said, even if it was that fast. <laughs> you know, so, I mean... A lot of that show, <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah, of course it, it is. But, uh, but yeah, Little Roy has taught me pretty much everything, you know. Yeah. So it all stems from him, everything, even from as a youngin, because him and Duck used to come to my grandparents and my dad's house to play. And um, that's, you know, that's where it all started for me. That's how, that's, you know, watching Duck and then Little Roy and Emery Ware and a bunch of them. Right, I know Emery. Um, yeah. Now you you actually start on fiddle though, didn't you? Well, yeah, because my uncle Jimmy that used to play with him played fiddle, and uh, I actually started on piano. My aunt was a piano player that they all played with back right. then. But yeah. I would say, yeah, I was playing fiddle at the time, but really first was banjo because I just sailed with that, and then the fiddle came back again because when I was with the Lewis family. Little Roy was like, well, we can't have three bandages on stage. Somebody's <laughs> got to do something. So that's where the fiddle came back in. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't really a great fiddle player until I was, until I was like 16 when he was making me do all that. <laughs> right, right. That's quite a workout, I'm sure, to, you know, play with the uh, Lewis family, Little Roy. I mean, it's, it's got some, uh, yeah, it's uh, wide open. <laughs> that, that would be a tough gig, even on the bass. I mean, because that's even fast. For bass players yeah bass player you know we're particular about our bass players because with our songs and our arrangements it has a lot of bass work it's not just a standard one five one two five right i mean there's a ba bass licks in there that come with our guitar playing the songs that make that feeling that we have in our stuff so the bass player is pretty crucial you know i'm glad to hear you say that because a lot of bass players don't get a lot of credit but it's yeah. so important yeah, well, <laughs> a lot of bass players don't get a lot of credit, no, but the good ones will, because, you know, 
if they could do what we're doing with a do 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 do, I mean, it, you have to have it's a lot of bass lines with our stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, tell me about this uh, new album, and I'm gonna play a a little a little piece of it um, as we close out the show here. Uh, mm-hmm. After we're finished, I'll edit that in. Um, just curious, uh, talk about the album. You recorded out in California, I think, didn't you? I, I did. We did the main music in Nashville with Stuart Duncan and Brian Sutton, Norm Pickel, me, however you say that, and then uh, Dennis Krauss. And um, then I went to Los Angeles and recorded at Capitol Records on Frank Sinatra and Judy Garland's mics. Wow. Yeah. This I wrote several of the songs with friends from Santa Barbara, California. Went out there several times with them, writing and doing stuff. And I love Santa Barbara. It's a beautiful place. And then we did some covers of some Andrew Lloyd Webber songs. Um, I've always loved Disney, and I've always loved Broadway stuff. And I was like, you know, you don't never hear any artists doing that. I've heard old rock and roll songs done. I've heard right. 50s music done. I've heard country songs done. But I've never heard anybody do Broadway or Disney, for that fact. I know they did a Disney bluegrass album once, but uh, just not Broadway. So we did two songs on there. The whole city is not Broadway. It's just two songs that were Andrew Lloyd Webber for Phantom of the Opera and Cats. Yeah, yeah. And um, and then we covered a Queen song, the Bohemian Rhapsody movie come out, and I got to listen to when Freddie Mercury does his first show with the the boys in that college town or whatever. He uh, did Brian May's song, Keep Yourself Alive. And I just, it stuck in my head for some reason. I'm like, you know, that'd be a great bluegrass song. And it and it turned out great. Little Roy can even play it, so that's saying something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I push him sounds... outside the box for some of these songs sometimes. He's like, I can't play that. And I'm like, yeah, you can. Just don't be thinking about how they done it. You just do you on this song, you know. Right. And, of course, the rest of them was what we wrote. And uh, it's a great album. It's different. It's not your standard stuff. And it's, you know, I was trying to be a little different on this album, you know, trying to push the box a little bit, you know. And I think it's doing that, you know. It's good to do that. An album like that that draws from, you know, traditional, you know, different sources brings new people to the music. And, you know, because some people may only know they may be big Queen fans or, you know, Broadway right. musical fans or a cat lover like you or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and yeah. then they discover the other stuff and they go, well, this is this is really cool, too. Yeah, I think that's, you know, our genre of people, our, our people of this genre of music is kind of dying out. And you wouldn't know that unless you went to, if you go to some of the festivals now that, are the standard ones, you know, everybody's getting older and I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying for me to have a fan base later down the road, I need to bring in more people, you know? So this is my idea. You know, I'm just trying to reach out to other areas, like you said, and bring people in that might would never listen to it any other way. You know? Well, I wanted to mention that it, the album is called, dreaming again and i will put a link 
in the show notes, which will go out through all the podcast feeds and all that stuff. And it'll also be in the show notes over on grasstalkradio.com. And I'm, I'm speaking now to all you Grass Talk Radio listeners. If you want to get this album, just go to grasstalkradio.com, go down to the show notes for this episode, the Lizzie Long interview, and click that. And I'll put links not only to your site, Lizzie, but to uh, the various places people can download and purchase and, and actually get their hands on the songs and hear them. Right. Okay, good. That'd be great. Excellent. Well, listen, it's been fun talking to you. Uh, let's not make it so long. I think probably the last time we actually played any music together was probably at the Earl, at the, the Braves game. I remember was that. Was it really? Yeah. yeah, man. That evening, we all met back up at the red light and had kind of a jam session over there. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and aside from that, you know, I've, I've seen you around, kind of, you know, keep tabs on, on what you're doing and stuff. Now, oh, tell us also, tell me about what's happening with touring. I, I see on your website dates there but like how many of them are, are what's really happening and what's not i assume if they're up there they're happening but just yeah uh, i tell you what and and i probably haven't updated it as much as i should because it's so much question you right. know i mean a lot of our stuff the next festival we got right now that's scheduled wind gap uh in pennsylvania in august and uh, i don't know you know we get it seems like the last couple of dates we get two weeks out and they cancel it, you know, I guess because the something comes up. They're like, oh, we're going to try to do it, put it on the best we can without until they just force us. And then we'll eventually they get forced to shut down. You know? Right, right. Well, let's all keep our fingers crossed that uh, all this settles down. This has taken such a huge toll on not just it musicians. Has. And but... it hit the music industry before it did anybody else. See, for us, you know, because they wouldn't let you sing to 500 to 250 to 100 down to 50 to 10 right and it hit us in february before it really hit everybody in march so it's i know all the bands and everything it's just been it's been rough yeah. so well yeah. let's hope and pray things improve and listen i want to tell you uh thanks for doing this i'm sure the listeners to this podcast will enjoy hearing hearing you and and the stories and just getting to know you a little better and i'm sure that they're going to run over and pick up this album and if you don't mind do me a favor and tell some of those linkedin folks that i said howdy and hope to see them at a festival one of these days soon but i really appreciate and you know hopefully we'll still have our picking in november that we do the night before thanksgiving you have to come down right i have been to that before yeah yeah come and uh, spend some time with us again all right that'd be good i'll I'll, maybe I'll ride over there with the, with the duck. He 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 never misses that thing. No, uh, yeah, yeah. That's you know that started at you know you're talking about his dad's deer can. That's where it started. Yeah, it has progressed into this. So yeah, um, it's it's a lot of fun. So yeah. Well, hopefully I'll see you then, and uh, keep your fingers crossed that uh, the world opens back up and. Take care of yourself. For real. Keep picking. <laughs> we'll do it. And, and thank you so much. And we'll talk to everybody down the road. Okay, Lizzie. Thanks a bunch. Uh-huh. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. There must be magic in the moon up above. It fills the evening air with memories of love. 
Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that little talk with Lizzie. When the festivals and shows get cranked up, I hope that you will go see her play and sing live in person. Let's all keep our fingers crossed that that gets back rolling here. And if you do see her, tell her that you heard her on the podcast. And what you're hearing in the background is one of the songs off of her new album, which I think is uh, on Vine Records. Anyway, there is a link in the show notes page to the album, and I encourage you to check it out. It's really good stuff. There are no slouches playing on this album. Let me tell you, this is incredibly good stuff. I think you really enjoy it. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show, and uh, next time you see Lizzie, just tell her thanks for coming on the show. Y'all take care, and I'll talk to you in the next episode. Scheming again Starry-eyed like a child And then I'm dreaming again Yeah.